My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. Reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. The apostles gathered together with Jesus and reported all they had done and taught. He said to them, come away by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. People were coming and going in great numbers, and they had no opportunity even to eat. So they went off in the boat by themselves to a deserted place. People saw them leaving, and many came to know about it. They hastened there on foot from all the towns and arrived at the place before them. When he disembarked and saw the vast crowd, his heart was moved with pity for them, for they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. The gospel of the Lord. Rarely does the, the first reading, let alone the first words of the first reading, kind of stop me in my tracks like today's did. The prophet Jeremiah begins with the word woe, which in case you didn't know, when a prophet says woe, that's never usually a good sign. And that immediately grabs my attention, but then even more as he continues. Woe to the shepherds who mislead and scatter the flock of my pasture, says the Lord. We know that scriptures have this historical reality in this context, but as the eternal word of God, it transcends those things. It's also meant to be heard and spoken afresh here and now. So it's hard not to hear that and immediately think of awful things that we've had in our recent past, the, the gross, devastating and infuriating scandals surrounding the former Archbishop of Newark, Theodore McCarrick, which sadly, that was only the tip of the iceberg of criminal acts done by priests and bishops, which are gut-wrenching to learn about, and in so many ways have inhibited the church and her mission over the last few years at a time when it's most desperately needed. But even apart from those horrible headlines of those types of stories, as a priest now of 22 years, I've heard and experienced the hurt that people experience when a priest didn't maybe do something criminal, but may have said and done things that are spiritually as devastating. Whether it was treating someone harshly, not responding to a need in time of crisis. I just had a, a good friend who's gone through this horribly painful divorce, who did all this work for the church to begin the annulment process, who had the priest be, basically mislead, and that might be too charitable, they in effect lied about the process which just resulted in even more hurt and anger. And that's not even speaking for my friend, that was just my reaction. On the other end of the spectrum, barely a week goes by that I don't get an email or a message from people showing me a priest or a bishop who's corrupted or flat out ignored church teaching and asking me, what do I think? Usually what do I think is, thank God I'm not a bishop. Whichever end of that awful spectrum though, it's hard not to hear these words from today's scripture and have some of these men who failed in such ways come to mind as we hear Jeremiah. Woe to the shepherds who mislead 
and scattered the flock of my pastor, says the Lord. You have scattered my sheep, you've driven them away, you've not cared for them. You can hear God's anger through those words of the prophet. And similarly, you can hear Jesus' brokenheartedness in the gospel as he sees this vast crowd as shepherdless. And what's striking to me in both is God's deep, deep love for the flock, for his people, for all of us. Because this really does get to the heart of God. When we sang the responsorial psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, that evokes an image of God that's near and dear to people. And in the New Testament, Jesus goes even further. In him, God being man reveals himself to be the good shepherd. It's one of the most revered and popular concepts we have of God and illustrations we have of Jesus. It's inspired works of art and musical pieces and poems, all born of that fascination of that concept of the good shepherd, the one who goes after the lost sheep, who makes that makes him to be somewhat good, but also somewhat reckless, who leaves the 91 in search of the one, which on a commerce level, it doesn't make any sense. 99 out of 100 is still a good loss to safe ratio, and it's a secure amount. But the good shepherd's not interested in ratios or good business sense. The good shepherd cares. He has compassion for the sheep left in his charge. He's not thinking, that stupid sheep that got lost, how did he do that? Why did he do that? It's up to him now to figure out how he's going to survive. He's thinking, my sheep is lost. He must be scared. He must be frightened. He might even be hurt or harmed in the need. That's what makes the good shepherd good. In fact, that's not even far enough. When Jesus calls himself the good shepherd, he talks about it as the one who lays down his life for the sheep. And in light of his death on the cross and the confirmation of the resurrection from the dead, we know this to be true. We know Jesus says what he means and means when he says that he is the good shepherd. Where it gets challenging for us is that We're 2,000 years removed from Jesus first uttering those words about himself and from when he first entrusted that responsibility to others. When Jesus, at the Last Supper, instituted the priesthood and shared it with the Twelve. And then when at the Ascension, he commissioned them to go out and share his good news, his gospel, to the ends of the earth. He wasn't asking them to be functionaries who simply repeated his actions to feed the masses literally and figuratively. He wasn't looking for them to simply impart information to the ends of the earth. He intended them to be shepherds after his own heart of the massively growing flock. He expected them, he expects us to be good shepherds, willing to follow his example, laying down our lives for his sheep. And that's why we hear God taking those failures, the failures on the part of his shepherds so personally in Scripture. That's why I believe he still does. One thought that has bothered me in the past and keeps bothering me now is how do these terrible things keep happening in the church? I know we're all human, so we're all prone to sinfulness and failures, but 
that aside, after the spectacular failures we had already gone through in the not-so-distant past, and the massive media coverage and supposed reforms made in light of them, how is it possible that these things would still happen? And one thought that came to mind is that some in the church weren't trying to be good shepherds. They were trying to be perfect shepherds. What do I mean by that? They didn't want to believe anything bad could happen in the church. So when stories were coming to the surface of very bad things happening, they didn't want to believe them. And then when presented with overwhelming evidence that there were bad things happening, their motivation became to protect the church by trying to hide these bad things. And they justified it by pointing to all the authentically good things that the church does. They wanted to keep this facade of strength, of being the epitome of goodness and love to a world that needs it. But tragically, they were foolishly acting in ways that were incredibly weak and fearful and, in fact, evil. Because in the end, the only thing that these perfect shepherds achieved was setting up perfect failure. Because not only was all that sinful and unethical, it's not even remotely Christian at its core. Because again, Jesus calls the shepherds to be good, not perfect. If we were perfect, we wouldn't need him. And humanity has long ago proved that perfection is not possible on our own. And when people in the church lost focus that, yes, they were called to be good shepherds after Christ's own heart, but they were not the shepherd, the perfectly good shepherd, and that they needed him, they kind of pushed Jesus out of the center and became the centers themselves. And we see how well that all went. I'm sharing this because it's a good reminder that we all have to be careful not to let happen to us. I know how easy that can be for me as a priest as well. The minute it's my ministry, instead of it being his ministry that I've been entrusted with, and that's a sacred trust that I will be held accountable for, I have to realize I'm in danger of being shepherdless, of falling for the lie of seeking perfection myself, instead of the goodness that comes from following Jesus and listening to him and going to him in my need. And that's something I think the Lord wants all of us to recognize as well, how easy any one of us can fall into that same trap. Parents out of a desire to protect their kids and not want them to experience any challenge or failure or stress can end up trying to present everything as being okay and perfect that there's no problem that mom and dad won't fix. Or married couples where the husband and wife stop sharing with each other their, their failures and their fears because they want to appear to be strong for the other. Kids, especially like working with college students, I see it all the time, where they, they fixate on a sport or a class or some passion or interest to the point they get lost in it and simply focus on success and achievement and fame and competition. All those pursuits of perfection can creep in on all of us, whatever our state of life is. And when they do, we have, in a sense, found a new shepherd for ourselves to follow, our own egos, our own pride. And that's filled with a lot of lies from the evil one. In Jesus Christ, God has raised up for us the Good Shepherd. He's called us, all of us, lay people, religious and clergy, to follow him. It's only in doing that and following him that we will ever find healing 
for the many wounds we find both inside the walls of the church and even more to a broken, needing world out there, desperately looking for the hope that Christ has lavishly shared. It's only in following him that we can experience the the priceless treasures of, of compassion and reconciliation that every one of us as sinful human beings longs for. It's only in following him that the shepherdless have a voice to negotiate the rough, dangerous journey of this life into a place of peace and fulfillment that he's promised us. Now more than ever, may we beg the Lord to help us to clear away all those hurdles of fear, all the obstacles of self-centeredness, so that we can attune our hearts and souls to hearing his voice, to listening to him, letting him lead us to live lives that are centered in what is truly right and just.